This is the What Matters Most podcast. A 100% listener-supported program. And now, here is your host, Paul Samuel Dolman. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to What Matters Most. Thanks for tuning in all over the world. I love to do the show. I love to sit in the seat. Shout out to Kim Corbin over at New World. What a great publicist and company. Highly recommend their books. And we have one of their authors on. She's back. She was such a big hit the first time. A mere 500 shows ago. That's the jargon. She, she crushed it. And she has a wonderful new book out called Angel Wealth Magic. Simple Steps to Hire the Divine and Unlock Your Miraculous Financial Flow. It's so nice to hear her voice again. Welcome back, Corinne Grillo. Oh, such a pleasure to be here again, Paul. Thanks for having me. And what's your earliest memories of connecting to the angels? Yeah, well, I, I think it had to be the actual miracle that I witnessed. It was not uh, something that I was counting on or expecting. Um, uh, so that's when I first realized they were real. So I think, you know, in my early 20s, I belonged to a spiritual community where we did rituals, where we, you know, did banishing rituals and called in the archangels. But to me, back then, I was really doing it essentially because it was part of the program. It wasn't that I actually had a foundational belief. It was just, you know, a possibility, I guess. Want to talk about that miracle you witnessed? Oh, sure. Yeah. I, um, I was going through a really rough patch. Uh, well, actually, um, the first several decades would be considered the rush rough patch of my life. And a friend of mine bought me an angel reading and, uh, she didn't know that I was struggling as much as I was. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I just thought, Oh, let's go see a psychic or whatever. I didn't really think much of it. I just thought it'd be fun. And the information she brought through was so mind blowing. And, uh, at the end of that session, I could feel lighter and brighter. And she just, she told me to talk to the angels as if they're real. And that's what I did. Um, just to see like, well, let's see what happens if you just talk to angels and all kinds of synchronicities, angel synchronicity started happening and it all culminated after about three days of doing that practice um, where I was driving through the hood and a bird dropped from the sky, landed in front of my car. I was going to a client's house um, and I stopped the car. I drove around it and I was like horrified because this bird had a kind of a mangled wing and I saw it kind of scooting around trying to get up and I felt so much compassion. So I used my new trick, which was asking angels to at least take it out of its suffering. I, I don't know anything about birds, so I wasn't going to get out and try and rescue the rescue it as I'm headed to a client's house. So I kind of prayed for it and, you know, just sent it some love and, and drove around it slowly, kept sending some blessings to it. And uh, as I watched through the rearview mirror, uh, I noticed it, it was kind of shim kind of shimmying on the ground a little. So I stopped the car again, kept watching. And as I watched, I watched that bird, um, a small bird. So the first, the bird was about dove size or pigeon size. Um, uh, I, wa I watched a bird, a small bird, jump up from the body of that bird and fly away. And then a second yeah. Then a second bird jump up from the body of that bird and fly away. And then a third bird jump up from the body of that bird, fly away. 
Um, and the, these birds were about two or three inches tall, maybe about three inches tall. And, and so, so broad daylight, right? So I was like, what the hell just happened? And as I look at what happened, the bird was totally gone. Okay. So I get out of the car. I, cause I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And I look at where the body was and it was totally gone. So so yeah, I witnessed a bird transform into three healthy birds and fly away. And I felt as I stepped out of the car, I felt this um, heart opening, I guess. I would call it love, but it was a more intense flavor of love and um, and shimmers all over my body, chills all over my body and kind of like electric static. And uh, and then I, I, I knew that I witnessed something that defied all logic. And that was the first miracle that kind of set me on a journey to, um, to know that angels are real and that essentially so are miracles and anything is possible. Wow. That's such a beautiful chill bump story. I really felt that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was definitely, um, definitely something. And, you know, I, 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 I was, uh, psychotherapist at the time on top of that. So, uh, so, so I, I, you know, have a fundamental respect for mental health and, and for a second was like, yeah, I pretty much can't talk about this story to any of my friends because they might want to have me hospitalized, <laughs> you know, take some, take, take some antipsychotics and, and, uh, get on with my bad self. So it took me a while to kind of come to grips with the reality of what had happened. And, and it wasn't just that moment. It was really the internal change that happened to me that really um, kind of validated that that experience was real for me. And anyone can tap in, right? That's the glory of it. Well, apparently so, because uh, again, at the time, just to establish uh, how, in, in what a bad state I was in, um, or that period was in, I was drinking about a fifth of tequila every couple of days. I was taking um, um, Adderall in the morning to kind of pick me up and then drinking a bunch of alcohol to kind of calm me down. And and that was me, you know, trying to function. Like that's how I was functioning just to kind of get through the day. So it was, uh, and I'm not a religious person. I was not a religious person back then. So yes, if something like that could happen for me in that state, then I realized it's for everyone. It's not for an elite few. It's not for um, just the pious or the righteous. It's literally for all of us. And I always feel like they're there to assist and love us. And But they have to sort of be invited in. There's like a respect for our free choice. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, it really works when you uh, invite them in, when you do it in a powerful way. Now, I have heard of moments of um, divine intervention. You know, I've heard a lot of stories over the years of, of really incredible and amazing things happening for folks, even when they're not asking. But I, I found a lot of those stories are wrapped around um, life and death situations, and, and perhaps it wasn't quite that person's time to go. Hey, why, Corinne, why does spirituality and money have such a complex and often dysfunctional relationship? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, for, from what I can gather, it's generally the, always the humans that that create a bunch of judgment around 
just about anything, right? So our, uh, in a way, we've been programmed to despise money, to to believe that things like it's the root of all evil or the source of all evil or money makes us greedy. And we've heard a lot of rumors that, you know, money is bad. And so a lot of times when people are very heart-centered, they tend to often reject uh finances as important. And that's why we see, from my perspective, a lot of spiritual folks suffering cash-wise. The correct phrase, if it's even true, is the love of money is evil, not money itself. Money to me feels neutral. If you hoard it, it's not good. But if you share it liberally and help people with it, it's great. The more you have, the more you can help. I feel like if you love it more than life or other people or whatever it is, and you're willing to kill for it, then you're, you're off the track. (laughs) <laughs> You're off the track. Yeah, I think of I think of money as in a way a, a magnifier. So if you're a heart-centered person, money will magnify that for you, magnify the good deeds so that you can offer, you know, fund the right causes for you and share your wealth, which heart-centered people are prone to do. Where whereas if you're kind of a greedy folk, you, you like to hoard and um and you just want power, then I guess cash can do that for you too. So it tends to amplify the user, <laughs> if you will. And I see someone like Warren Buffett, oh, uh, Ron Buffet, however you pronounce it, Warren Buffett, I think is the correct. He has $130, $140 billion, depending on the day, but he's not going to give it away until he dies. I feel like that's the least wealthy person in the entire world. Anybody that's that greedy, why would you need that much when you see all the suffering? Of course, the magazines he owns and his friends own the television stations will tell you how great he is. And he's on the cover of magazines, but he's not taking it with him. Everybody knows that. It's such a crazy fucked up paradigm. It it really is. And when you, you know, part of my, part of my, I, I guess my desire to write this book is to, was to inspire heart-centered folks that uh, that are more likely to share to really dream in a bigger concept of what their wealth potential could be because of things like this, because there are still children starving all over the world. And we actually have the resources to solve that. We have, we have the food, <laughs> we have the cash. It's just the cash is leaning over to the folk who tend to hoard. So we need uh, to really uh, step up our game, I think. Um, and those of us who are kind of called to make big, beautiful changes in the world uh, need to be economically funded in order to make the changes. Yeah, I see that we have tremendous material abundance, but we live in a global or at least a cultural scarcity paradigm. Uh, yes, and it's a, it's extremely, and I, I'm hoping we're breaking down these barriers, but it's extremely individualistic. You know, the American way is is hyper individualist, which is wonderful on the one hand. We need to maintain our our authority and our sovereignty, and also become aware of the other axis, which is the collective and the other. And I I feel the more that we understand and open our hearts to the reality that we're family, you know, we literally are family, we're, we're all related, um, and perhaps begin to perceive the world beyond these false borders that we put around our countries through colonization and all of those things and, and um, uh, see us kind of in our original state, which is um, uh, humans on, on this wonderful uh, rock, <laughs> doing, you know, doing our best 
uh, to survive. But, you know, those of us who were lucky enough to be born with um, born in countries where, where there is upward mobility and we can make it happen. Um, you know, you know, remembering the other is, is really important uh, at this time on the planet. Well, so perfectly said, how do you personally define wealth for yourself? What is wealth? Yeah. For me, wealth is essentially having a, an awareness internally that there is more than enough if you move in certain directions, if you make some changes. So it's not just, just about cash. It's almost about resources, having, having access to a resource of love, um, a resource of community, and of course, a resource of wealth. I, I wrote this book literally for cash, but the way that I work with angels is that we want not just cash, but cash that supports our hearts and that moves from the heart. I feel like deep, sincere gratitude creates infinite wealth. If you're already super grateful that I have food and water, shelter, and my body's healthy, I get to talk to you, my eyes can see, I saw the ocean this morning, I watched the sunrise, I could just go on and on. And what I do when I wake up is I start, I'm, I task my mind with finding 20 things that are right. Otherwise, if I ignore it, it'll find 200 things that are wrong, it'll make it up, and it'll start me on that trajectory. But isn't gratitude a great key to move through the world in a abundant gratitude based wealth mindset? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a it's a perfect uh, idea of of seeing the wealth happening for you already. And I think so many of us are are so focused into the future and, like you said, on what we don't have. Um, one of the first things is to acknowledge how far we've come. And what we do have, and there's this kind of secret voice inside of us that kind of drives us into believing that we're not good enough, or we haven't quite met a standard, quote unquote. And usually the standard is impressed upon us from our society at large. Um, but yeah, appreciating where we are, in a sense, opens up uh, a pathway towards, towards, towards beauty and it almost invites more beautiful things to come your way. How did you shift this all? Well, it was definitely a step-by-step -step process because I was not raised with wealth or, uh, you know, both sides of my family, you know, my mother and my father grew up in extreme poverty. So we did not grow up with a wealth consciousness. I did not. And, you know, as a, as a, as a brown brown woman who like lived in in one of the ghettos of Los Angeles, th thinking about wealth was just not a thing, right? I didn't know anybody who was doing that. It was all just working class, and and uh, you know, for me, I thought like the creme de la creme was getting an education, right? Um, because uh, that's about as far as you can dream or imagine, or that's as far as I could at the time. So what changed for me was essentially encountering the angels, I, I think, just developing a really um, authentic and connected relationship with spirit that was non-dogmatic, but but that um, supported a different voice inside of me or helped me attune to a different voice inside of me that had uh, different dreams and uh, helped me, helped inspire me to believe that it was possible to reach and serve more people than is my usual framework. Um, and so slowly but surely, I think I was called to take 
leaps of, I guess you would call them leaps of faith to, and to trust that even though the direction I was headed in may be impractical, that, uh, to trust that, to trust that vibe on the inside and to try it. Um, so I would say just developing trust in my relationship with spirit and maybe not trusting myself at first, but at least trusting that miracles are real and that spirit can do some really cool stuff. Um, and after, uh, after a few trials and seeing, you know, some of the first miracles that happened after after that first one that I mentioned, some of the miracles that happened were, in fact, from my perspective, financial miracles, and um, and that's when I learned from me that there's no separation between a, a spiritual miracle of a bird dividing into three and also a financial miracle. Spirit does not separate these things. It's all ways that spirit can support us in in opening our hearts, our minds, and our lives to feel safe and secure in the world. And you're doing it through loving service to others, which I feel like is the perfect way, if you can pull it off, to find your purpose. It serves, it makes other lives better. And then from that, you derive enough to live well materially. Isn't that a beautiful kind of holy grail, if you can pull that off? Yes, for me, it has been. And I talk a lot about that in the book about, about, you know, mission oriented wealth, wealth that, like I said, that lifts your heart and that serves others, um, creates in a way this um, beautiful feedback loop of awesome. Um, and there's lots, I mean, it's not a secret how we can make cash. You know, if you, you, you could go to wall street, there's, there's a lot of ways to make cash, but I definitely recommend a, a heart centered path. And what, there's nothing like serving others. I feel like it's in our DNA and soul that when we do it, not as a martyr is fuels. It's like the soul's fuel, fuel, the soul's uh, honey, the soul's food. I, I agree. Yes. I mean, because it's, it's, it's like selfish and selfless at the same time, <laughs> you know, it's like you receive, uh, because there's no such thing as a selfless act. Right. So just acknowledging like, wow, this feels good. Let's do more of this. Um, and for me, it's just been wonderful, uh, connecting with people all over the world and, and seeing how their lives are changing just by, just by, uh, doing these, some of these really, on the surface would appear to be simple practices, but really open your life to um, a different way of moving and being and feeling and experiencing the world. You had some great steps in the book. Will you share those with the worldwide audience? Uh, sure. Yeah. Well, the, the book is essentially in two parts. The first part of the book, you know, as a, as a therapist, and it comes, and when it comes to something like money and wealth, you know, we have to acknowledge that our psyche has a lot to do with whether or not we're going to be able to reach that next level in our wealth. So we, um, so in the book, it was really important for me to name some of the unconscious blocks or some of the wealth inhibitors or blockers that might stop us from really being able to get to that next level and attract the kind of wealth that we need. Um, so I spent a lot of time in the beginning of the book with different exercises uh, and also offer, you know, different angels to help loosen up some of the energy. If you have a fundamental belief that you're not good enough or, or maybe you're, you know, really come from a population that was really oppressed and, and um, have a hard time imagining these things or thinking optimistically about these things. I, I give angels to help kind of uh, loosen the energy around that. And then the second half of the book is an 11 day ritual. Um, it's an, it's an 11 day ritual that I developed <laughs> and co-created, uh, really for myself when I was 
uh, during lockdown and, um, and my daughters, both of them were all of a sudden, you know, back at home and I, I wanted to be able to attend to them. So, um, I, decided to let go of a portion of my business and in its charge I instead I decided to create this ritual to do to do some angel wealth magic and and the it the the ritual really it worked in such an extraordinary way that uh when I was outside getting um giving uh, offerings and blessings and and gratitude to to spirit for coming through for for my family i had the realization that i i wasn't supposed to just keep this r- ritual to myself that i had to share <laughs> share it with other people who were also struggling to attract magical support when they really need it i love your flow with all of this do you journal a lot do you write a lot of stuff down uh yes but you know i'm terrible with paper <laughs> I lose everything. So I have everything. I have all my notes in my, in my, in my iPhone. Really? Is that what you do? You put them in there? Yes. Because then it's always with me, you know? <laughs> and and then I always have this, like this compilation. Oh, speaking of which just 11 years. So 11 years ago, was it 11 or 12 years ago? I, I did a, my first angel. I don't know if it was my first, but it was before I was doing any spiritual work or whatever. And I had just encountered the angels. So I decided to do apparently, and I don't remember writing this stuff down. I decided to do some angel channeling. And so I happened to find it about a month ago. I look in my, in my phone and there's this note there from, from, uh, from 2010 and and I'm reading through it. And they said, hey, don't worry about your spiritual books that you're right. We'll write through you and your psychology. And, and at the time, I had no interest in being an author or anything. So I was looking at it going, holy, I need to do this a lot more. I need to do a lot more channel writing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. So I do recommend making sure if you're going to do some do some uh, spiritual work. And I, I talk about that in the in the in the book as well, you know, having a, a magical journal where you put all your notes and the synchronicities that happen because you never know. 10 years later, you look back and you're living the life that you didn't even remotely think was possible or even know that you actually wanted. I was just reading some old journal and there was this crazy miracle in there I couldn't believe. And I completely forgot about it. What was the miracle? The irony is I couldn't even remember in this moment what it is because I've had so many. It was some crazy coincidence. I think what it was, I was in Martha's Vineyard. I was headed home and I felt like the angel said, go back and have an, uh, an iced tea at this one specific place. And I was like, I don't want an iced tea. I want to go home and take a nap. So they were bugging me like as I'm riding my bike in the opposite direction towards home. I finally relented. I turn around. I go back to the place. No one's there. I sit in a corner. And then about 10 minutes later, this group of girls comes in, young women, and I start talking to one who was amazing, and we had this deep spiritual talk. And then when they all leave, the people, the young girls who worked there came over and said, oh, my God, do you know who you were talking to? And I said, no. And they said, that's Lord, the singer who's real famous. And, and I was like, what? And it was like, oh, my God, there's no way I would have pulled that off. But just by listening you know, and I felt like we had this profound conversation. I just thought it was this lovely soul. You know, who knows how that'll go out into the world and her music didn't matter. But it was just, I sat in a corner and it found me because that voice said, go over here, listen to me. And it might have been just saved me from being run over. So I don't know. I just, it's that listening, listening, listening. 
That's it. It's all about listening, right? That's that's what it is. It's a listening. And and I think that that's that's the big thing because a lot of people get get hear the voice, but they think it's irrational. They they're like, "Well, why would I want to go back and sit?" Like and so, you know, the right so that's what it is. It's about trust. It's trusting that inner voice. And and the more that you uh, hear that voice, because we're so, we let ourselves override our lives with responsibilities and logic and the bottom line and all of, all, all of these values that were kind of imposed on us, as opposed to kind of our inner knowing that is, that is so wise um, and can lead us into really cool things like that. How does one begin if someone's listening anywhere in the world and go, oh, this sounds great. How do I get started? Getting started is always the biggest challenge with anything. What are some of the first moves, steps, mindsets they can begin with just by listening today and then doing something? Yeah, I would say uh, the first step for me is just acknowledging that it's a possibility that angels are real. And also it's a possibility that they're communicating to you right now. And then staying in curiosity, okay, if angels are real and if um, there is a communication or if there is something they want me to know, what would they want me to know? And then listening, you know, listening to those first uh, feelings and instincts and and uh, senses or emotions or vibes. A lot of times, you know, in the beginning, it could be very subtle. You know, you just feel... Um, a little more peace or a little lightness or a little more, I don't know, hope, a little lighter and brighter. But the more you anchor in and stay in relationship um, with with the other side, the more that it gets proven out like science. And for me, it's not about faith. It is about testing the water over and over again, like, like a scientist. So my first book was called the angel experiment. And it really does set it up kind of like, well, you know, it's possible that it, this is total BS, but you know, a scientist, you gotta, you gotta prove it out first. Right. So just keep an open mind, stay curious and become an observer, an actual observer of your life. As you ask for, um, Hey, you know, show me that you're real. As you ask for these things, what happens in that day? So for me, what started happening when I mentioned the synchronicities, um, all of a sudden I saw a lot of angel wings everywhere, right? So I saw, I remember seeing a laundry truck drive right by when I said, show me you're real. And a laundry truck would drive right by called Angel's Laundry Service and had giant wings on, uh, <laughs> giant wings on the side of it. And, uh, you know, you walk into a grocery store and there's a, a song about angels playing or you turn on the radio. So little things like that are ways that, commu that you know, communication happens as well as you know, in you know, nature can really respond to our heart's deepest desires and our, our wish to understand that we're not alone. And I think fundamentally, that's what we all want. And we all crave And this, you know, there's a lot of us that have this sense of emptiness inside or um, this yearning that is in a way unnameable. We don't know how to name it. But, a, you know, from my perspective, a lot of it is this sense that there's something else um, there's some kind of connection or it's this separation from source and we're craving this, this desire, we have this desire to reconnect in one way or the other. And it almost doesn't matter how we do it. You know, I, mine happens to come with, with, uh, with angels, right. 
but others, it could come with ancestors. It could come with, you know, nature itself. It could come in a variety of different ways. You really live and breathe it. I love it. Thank you. It just comes in, it comes out. And I hear in all that, pay attention, be in the moment, listen, look around, keep your eyes open, feel into the moment. If you're really there presently, that's when it's all happening. Not in yesterday's scenario or the, you know, the imagined future argument or what you're going to say, but if you're in the now, there it is. There it is. And I think a lot of us, you know, a lot of people know what the, what prayer is. So they'll pray for stuff. Um, I, I prefer using invocations, um, at least when I'm doing angel rituals or 21 day practices or 11 day practices. So people pray, but what they don't do is wait. So, Hey, I want blah, 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 blah. Help me with this. Um, but then they glaze right over the moment when the answer comes, you know, or when the, when the, the moment of peace, or when you actually feel something, you know, holding your hand, they are not paying a full attention to the moment. What would you advise people? Like you say, you're from Puerto Rican heritage. Uh, we know the country skewered towards a white majority and white supremacy. I mean, you'd have to be delusional not to look at the last 400 years and even the last 400 hours and see how it is harder that if you're, uh, say, an African-American woman, you're going to have to go further, faster and better just to even have a shot that, you know, we know what's real. Do you have any words of wisdom for those who are in that position and the, the playing field and the system is kind of rigged a little bit against them or a lot against them? Yes. Um, and, you know, I, I do kind of acknowledge a lot of that in, in the book. For me, working with angels is in a way what helped me hack the system that was stacked also against me, you know, as a brown, poor woman, also as a brown, poor, depressed woman, and also as a brown, poor, depressed woman, you know, who spent some time in jail, right? So, and grew up in poverty. And so, um, so yeah, I'm not one to wait for people to invite me to the table. I realize I have to make my own, probably my own table. <laughs> and, and so the more that we come to grips with the state or who we are, but not believe um, in a way what the culture dictates, but find other ways to, in a way, hack the system. For for me, angels really helped me take quantum leaps in in my heart, in my mind, and helped me to kind of balance out some of, really, it was my own self-hate, my my internalized hatred from growing up, um, never seeing images of me or people with my skin color on television. You know, I always kind of, I remember when I first went to UCLA, it was, I was surrounded by so many um, people, you know, of European descent, you know, a lot of white people. And I remember feeling so instantly less than everyone and and really an intense sense of shame um and you know this was years ago so i again had to um rewire my brain and and really acknowledge that so i think the first thing that you know that we all have to do is just come to grips that we live in 
uh, a certain kind of system, and then that system is capitalistic, and then what are we going to do about it? Um, so angels help, but also getting educated helps on things like wealth and and uh, having an entrepreneurial spirit also helps, um, kind of dreaming and inviting in inspiration and ideas from spirit on, hmm, if I were to uh, shift my career and change my career, what would it be, spirit? And kind of going in, in meditation on the daily about that and channel writing about that. Um, but, you know, for me, I see this whole thing is this kind of a fun game to to play. And I think if we have a mindset of, okay, maybe I'm kind of starting off the game a little behind some other people. So what do I have to do <laughs> to to uh, to kind of get ahead? You know, like uh, like I need I need what do you call them like cheat sheets? <laughs> yeah. So thank you for for bringing that up and acknowledging that. Thank you for, yeah, because I feel like pretending otherwise, especially as a white male with a powerful platform that's worldwide, is a bit of a disservice. Yeah, well, you know, it's, and Paul, like, I, I know this is not necessarily about angels, but I just want to say, like, there's been a lot of conversations about, you know, privilege over the last many years, and, and, um, and some people have used it like, like a poison, right? Like, oh, you're white privilege. And I have been uh, in the presence of of this privilege used by white men that has been such beautiful medicine as opposed to poison and uh, you know and and you know for like like now you know you even talking about it acknowledging this is such beautiful medicine for our world because it builds bridges as opposed to builds walls um and, uh, you know, I just, I, I just think like, it's just so wonderful. It's so wonderful. And, and you know, I know, I know like, you know, some of my closest friends feel in a way a, a badge of shame because they're hearing that kind of privilege, but you know, when used, um, consciously it's incredible medicine and we need it. <laughs> All right. I'm going to let you go, but what would you say there? I, I feel like there's some young woman out there who's got a dream and maybe doesn't have the encouragement of her surroundings, but she somehow found us, or it could be a young man. What would you say today? You're their booster. You, they came upon us. You've lived it. You came from nothing. If you were their mentor, their rainbow in the sky, as my used to say, what would you tell them today? Okay, let me just feel into what what spirit, what message spirit wants to kind of convey. The first word that is coming in it's in all in capital letters is is believe. And when I look at believe, they're they're looking at um, believe in your ideas, believe in the ideas that you are receiving that may be a little out of the box, uh, believe that there's something bigger. If you are thinking of something bigger for yourself, then believe that that thing is possible. Um, and also believe that you can find the most perfect, beautiful resources um, and also education um, that could support you in getting there. They're also saying, you know, this is, we all have Google. So if we catch ourselves going, oh, but I don't know how to do that. Oh, I can't do that. To please like, just do the extra step of Googling it on how to do that. <laughs> and, and you might become a master in like 15 minutes 
could have find a template of exactly how to do the thing that you want to do that you don't know how to do. So um, they're just saying believe, dream bigger, and also find like-minded people, people who believe in you um, and believe that something something big is possible for you. You've been listening to the What Matters Most podcast, a 100% listener-supported program. If you feel inspired, please go to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com backslash whatmattersmost and join our family. So until the next time, stay inspired and in the light.